In a world populated by sports entertainers and all elite athletes. One man seeks to end the endless outcomes of war. Ruled by demos. Strangled for star ratings. Professional wrestling seeks a new hope. A man destined for greatness. A man destined to suplex anyone in his path. A man who's gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with icons, legends, and lived to tell the tale inside the squared circle. A man destined to hold the AEW, TNT, and tag team titles, all on his own. A man whose power, strength, and grace will provide a new generations of wrestlers, a new hope. I'm not talking about a man. I'm not talking about a myth. I'm not even talking about a legend. I'm talking about a future god of professional wrestling. He is neither a nook or a crook. This is neither a dream or a meme. This week's Wrestling Woo Fiction will change the landscape forever, as tonight we look at... Hold it, hold it, hold it. Nope, nope, nope. We can't keep doing this, okay? There ain't no way in hell that that random new number 20-something-year-old is gonna be doing better than a prime Goldberg. Let's be honest here. You can't tell me that guy sitting next to... Tap. Oh, but it can. Cause tonight, we don't book a nobody, we don't book the past, we book the future! Cause tonight, wrestling with fiction goes beyond the galaxy, the stars, and all that the world can see! Cause tonight, Connor Cooper of Wrestling with Fiction does the impossible, he books the unfavorable, he books the man, the myth, the legend! Ladies, gentlemen, and lady gentlemen, that was a hell of a tone shift, wasn't it? <laughs> My fictional friends, welcome to this week's edition of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. The podcast where I pitch to you wrestling storylines from the good to the bad to the damn right insane. My name is Connor and this might be the most insane storyline we have covered to date. Because my god, friends, we are booking the most impossible task. AEW's future. The man who faced Sting at Revolution for four minutes. Four minutes, people. And he got all the offense. It's Hook. Yes. The man who hasn't even had a wrestling match yet. But for some reason, the entire internet wrestling community has lost their fucking mind for I know I just sweared, but I'm keeping it in there. Yes, Hook. The son of Taz. Who, for some reason, they went from Taz to Hook. Are we going to get a plate next or screwdriver? That is an odd son name if we're going by wrestling continuity. But hey, we live in a world where Mace and T-Bar are a thing. So I can't fully complain. Either way, Hook is a bit of a mystery in professional wrestling, isn't he? He's kind of that guy who you feel like he might get a chance to wrestle soon, but we don't quite know. It's clearly in the works, right? Like, you've had little moments on Dark where we've seen him, like, flip a guy over as, like, a bit of, like, cool little exposure. So, you've got to imagine at some point a match has got to be in the works. Like, he's been on television what feels like for over a year now if I'm not mistaken that's a that's kind of a big deal especially for a guy like Hook who is roughly I'm I'm assuming near the same age as me like 22 23 he's already got like television experience so I feel like it's only a matter of time till we see him in the ring and what what better way to speculate what you can do with Hook 
then right here at Wrestling With Fiction, where we pitch random stupid storylines. <laughs> so, we are booking Hook's official match. Kind of, you know, additional stuff here and there, maybe potential feuds. Maybe by the end of this, he might even hold a championship. Ah, uh, ah, uh, maybe, possibly. You never know with Hook, right? But before we get to that, I will emphasize if this is your first time listening to this podcast, whether it be on YouTube or on your favorite podcast app, timestamps will be in the description. So if you happen to turn up to this and you want to skip to a certain part of the episode, feel free to do so. It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't hurt you. We all have incredibly busy lives. With that in mind. If this is your second, third, or fourth, and you happen to really be enjoying the content of this podcast, please consider to subscribe or like the video or whatever you're doing. Please just show some support to the show. It helps out a lot, and it helps keep lights on this podcast. So with all of those pieces of plugging out of the way, let's get into this, and let's talk about... (laughs) Let's talk about Hook's history in AEW, in about four minutes. What are we doing? (laughs) Okay, so, unlike a lot of people who we've covered before with extensive history and backgrounds, I mean, really, Hook's history is truly omnipresent because that's just the gravitational pull of a hook. Hook, line, and sinker drags you in. So let me give you the brief story of Hook and AEW here. Uh, He joined Team Taz on the December 16th episode of AEW Dynamite. He's been the second man for a lot of AEW Dark and Elevation matches involving various Team Taz members. And that's about it. That's about it for Hook. Uh, yeah, you could argue he had some involvement in the Team Taz story with Darby Allen and the Sting. As I talked about, he beat up Sting for four flipping minutes! But, that's the extent of Hook's time in AEW. We've had little to no showing of, like, significant wrestling ability. All we've seen is mostly, like, a couple of moves from Hook, which are some very nice-looking suplexes that feel very distinct. You know, maybe harboring back to a certain suplex machine who happens to be on commentary from time and time again. I guess we'll never know. But yes, that is the extent of our history with Hook. It's really short. But what this gives, this gives more time to discuss the potential of Hook. And I know that's all what what you've all been waiting for is that potential of Hook. So Hook has a very neat upside. The guy is 22. He's an incredibly young guy, roughly the same age as guys like Daniel Garcia, which basically means he's got all the time in the world to grow. Plus, the amount of television experience he's had is close to a year on AEW, which is the second largest wrestling company in the US. That's quite a big deal, and you consider the people who he's had under the tree having to work with guys like Sting, Darby Allin, John Moxley, Cody Rhodes. That's an impressive resume of guys. And when you factor that in, you've got a potentially really good talent on their hands. And I know that second generation people, for people who don't know, he is indeed the son of Taz, is not always perfect. You see your, to be fair, Curtis Axel, who ended up being all right, your David Flares of the world, your uh, Grandmaster Sex A's, but, You know, this is a promising thing. He's incredibly young. He's in already kind of the big leagues of AEW. And with it, he's being paired up with a lot of really high quality guys to train with. And that's not even factoring potential ring time that we're not seeing. So what I'm actually saying is we could be in, uh, in air quotes here maybe, we could be in for a potential breakout year for Hook in late 2021 or 2022. And for me, that's quite exciting because, you know, everybody's looking at, you know, the four pillars of AEW. Your Jungle Boys, your Sammy Guevara's, your 
MJFs, and even like lower down there, your Daniel Garcias, your Wheeler Utahs, and your Lee Moriartys. I think Hook could actually be a dark horse. You know, someone who nobody's really expecting to do well, but only in like a couple matches, could be a breakout star for the AEW singles division. And I feel like it's only a matter of time till we get that very first match. Huh. So that's all the history we have of Hook. It's very short and sweet with a lot of discussion talking about how I, I generally believe that if they play their cards right, Hook could be a future, I'd say at the very least, TNT champion. That's how I view Hook. And there's a couple ways that I think you can get there. But before we get to that, and before we get to the whole booking process, let me let me give you my brief pitch of what I think this story will be for Hook. And there's only one way to do that. And if you've been here, you know what it is. It is the tagline, ladies and gentlemen. So for those of you who are new to this podcast, the tagline is my summary, my pitch for what I'm going to be booking for Hook this week on Wrestling With Fiction. Think of it like a summary that you'd see on Netflix, say, a la Squid Game, or basically Kaiji the live-action anime series, or basically something you'd see on Crunchyroll, or Escape from the Undertaker. I'm gonna keep saying this, cause you know what? We're nearly at Halloween. Go watch Escape the Undertaker. It's an interactive thing. You got Kofi Kingston with a bunch of really cool moments. I think it's an underrated movie. If people like it, maybe I'll talk about it. Who knows? Either way, fictional friends, give me your energy as I put my hands up and I put them down on the keyboard as I tell me from the past to cue the music, future me! Right, so Hook has quite a difficult choice of trying to pick what character arc he's going to go through. Because at the core, Hook hasn't really had any decisions to begin with. You look at his whole time in the Nightmare Family, which was a about 10 minutes, to his time in Team Taz. He doesn't really get any points to shine. He's kind of the lackey of the group. Even though he has the extra context of being Taz's son, he's kind of there just to... You know, beat up some people. I don't think I've ever seen Hook get beat up before in AEW. So, when that's your baseline, there's a lot of room to add depth to the character of Hook and try and talk about what is the appeal of Hook to begin with. And in my opinion, just looking at the internet wrestling community, it's kind of a meme, kind of not a meme that Hook is that strong, silent type. He's the guy who looks a bit like he he's what would happen if Tom Holland went to juvie, okay? That's what Hook looks like. He's clearly quite a vicious wrestler, just from the brief summations that we've had, but there's kind of a degree of vulnerability, you know? The vulnerability that comes with being a second-generation wrestler. That is that you have incredibly heavy expectations. Look at your most successful second generations who have attempted to surpass their superiors. That is the core of Hook from his inception. Like, it's the reason that we saw Hook align himself with Taz was because Hook refused to stay with Cody Rhodes after Taz kept on complaining at it, Cody. Why are you still teaching my sons to? So, at the core of this tagline this week, Hooks is defying the rules of society. A son of a Tasmanian devil seeks to find an identity of his own on a road to being an all elite athlete. Hook is that guy. He's in a strong, silent way trying to live up to the approvals of his father by, in his own way, being his lackey. And what does that really entail? That entails, you know, kind of always being in the shadow of Taz and kind of being, how do I put this, a underdog to an extent. Someone who 
ultimately lacks the courage to do anything on his own being at such a young age in his professional wrestling career. So when I want you to think about the storyline of Hook here, I want you to think about his relationship with Team Taz, his mindset having gone to one faction to another without his own decision making here. And how that could lead to an eventual turn, perhaps. Or maybe even just staying where he is. All we know is, underneath all of this, as we head into this fantasy booking, Hook is a man out to prove that he is just as good, if not better, than his father. So let's find out, ladies and gentlemen, in this fantasy booking, if he can surpass the human suplex machine. Right, so our story begins in the midst of the AEW Eliminated Tournament. By this point, Eddie Kingston and Powerhouse Hobbs have been eliminated by their respected opponents, Orange Cassidy and Lance Archer. After the loss against Orange Cassidy, Taz is furious after a roll-up from Orange Cassidy led to his advancement in the tournament. Taz leaves the commentary desk demanding that the referee reverses the decision. Of course it doesn't happen, so Powerhouse Hobbs and the rest of Team Taz attempt to assault Orange Cassidy. All whilst this is happening, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley come in, break the ring as Team Taz is slowly taken out little by little, leading to a cheeky Orange Cassidy and John Moxley stare down and an attempted hurricane by Eddie Kingston onto Powerhouse Hobbs that is stopped by Hook. It is blocked by Hook as they both exit the ring relatively unharmed. Eddie Kingston looks on in surprise with a little cheeky grin on his face as we move on to next week. During this period, Taz is once again furious that Team Taz is nowhere in the Championship Eliminator Tournament. He grabs the microphone and says, I am sick of this. Hook. Hobbs, Stark, I am sick of this. I am sick of this company allowing these punks to rule the asylum. Listen closely. Because those cronies in the production truck may shut off our mics again. Lately, the FTW lifestyle has been on hold as of recent because of internal issues. But thankfully, thankfully... AEW has finally, and I mean finally, listened to us. And those issues have been resolved. We have been relegated to the back for too long. Do you understand who we are? Let me remind you. We are Team Taz. The assassins of AEW. See what Ricky holds right there? Do you see it? It's the FDW title. A belt continually devalued and unrecognized by executive bigwigs. This here is what makes AEW special. No pencil neck geeks with their hands in their pockets. No fake tough guys like Moxley. And especially, no fake New Yorkers like Eddie Kingston. Kingston, you want to put your toes in Team Taz's business? My family? You have just made the biggest mistake of your life. Because win, lose, or draw, we decide your fate, Eddie. Survive if I... And Eddie Kingston's music immediately plays. He grabs the microphone immediately and says, Whoa, 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 Taz, Taz, Taz. You got a problem with me? Look, everything I did was in self-defense. You waltzed on in and attacked one of my close friends. And if it wasn't, sometimes I just like to fight. <sighs> you know, you've gone soft, Eddie, Taz simply responds. When you came into this company, you ran roughshod all over this place. You were a prime candidate for the FTW mindset. But somewhere along the way, you became no better than these people. A crying, whiny, emotional human being who doesn't understand a damn thing about this business. I... I don't understand a damn thing, Eddie simply responds back. I... 
I don't know a damn thing that that's real funny because you see I recently was kicked out of that little AEW eliminated tournament and uh, I'm feeling a little sluggish How about one of your little FTW wannabes faces me next week? Eddie walks into the ring Taz simply responds by saying oh, that's great Eddie. That's real great You're all <laughs> You're calling all the shots again? You don't run this show, Eddie. You want to face Hobbs after last week? Go right ahead. I dare you. Watch as Hobbs destroys you and... Eddie walks into the ring and he, he blissfully ignores Taz and Will Hobbs and he glances over to Hook standing behind them. Not really, you know, batting an eye at the situation. And staying cool, calm, and collected. You got a real team of assassins, huh, Tess? Let's see if it runs in the family. Hook, without saying anything, wanders towards Eddie Kingston and grins. Taz gets between the two and Eddie walks away. Taz quietly looks over to Hook and we close the segment there. And it's advertised immediately next week that we are going to be having Hook's debut match against Eddie Kingston. Now, some of you longtime Wrestling With Fiction fans may know that I have actually attempted to book a similar idea back in the Eddie Kingston episode because uh, I still kind of think that Eddie Kingston's the perfect opponent for Hook. He is a well-traveled veteran, a New Yorker, a guy who's great at promos. I feel like he'd be a great fit for Hook to face. He's also quite an imposing like height and physique difference, that'll be a great clash of styles. I think it would ultimately be like a really good test for Hook. And with the way that Eddie Kingston's been working with guys like Dante Martin, for example, on AEW Dark Elevation, and all the other younger talent there, I think he'd be a great, like, first opponent for Hook. Maybe not necessarily to win, but, you know, to get a good performance in. But we'll find out as the rest of this booking goes forward. We get the rest of this week to get some backstage segments between Hook and Taz on Rampage, building up to Dynamite. And Taz is outraged that Tony Khan is putting his son in this position. And essentially in his mind, forcing him in a match against Eddie Kingston, who's ready to essentially kick his ass. This is not a favorable position, besides he knows that Hook is probably going into a trap here. Hook in this situation as Taz is trying to warn him about all of these things, saying to remember what he taught him, simply grins and walks away once again. Because you know what Hook has always done a lot? He's loved to have a little bit of a scrap here and there. And you know, he's been put over a little bit on commentaries being a guy who went to juvie, grew up on the tough streets of New York. This is right up Hook's alley. So, we eventually get the Hook versus Eddie Kingston match. As Hook is accompanied by the rest of Team Taz, Eddie Kingston comes out alone and immediately at the opening bell slaps Eddie Kingston in the face, saying that he means business. Though Eddie Kingston immediately hits him with a DDT. And the story of this match basically begins with Hook gaining some momentum and offense over Eddie Kingston showcasing some of his throws, showcasing his strikes, thanks to the aid and help of Team Taz. However, this is quickly thwarted by John Moxley coming in mid-match and getting rid of the outside interference. So, the match continues, Eddie Kingston taking in a lot more offense than before, doing what is necessary to put down the young, debuting star that is Hook. But, in this surprising turn of events, Hook just doesn't stay down. In fact, we get a very quick and surprising comeback from Hook, suplexing Eddie Kingston, who is significantly larger, doing a series of throws, and in a surprise that maybe took a, a lot of people <laughs> into suspense here, he throws Eddie Kingston to the floor like his old, like, judo throws that we've seen on AEW Dark, and locks in the Taz mission. Eddie Kingston is looking as if he is about to pass out, but quickly 
and barely by grabbing onto the ropes, avoids being submitted by Hook, resulting in Hook, due to his lack of experience, getting caught with an hurricane for the one, two, Hook's foot hits the bottom rope. What? <laughs> yes, Hook manages in a shock of disbelief, shows a bit of heart and gets his foot on the rope. He's been in many fights before. If the situation arises, he can take advantage of it. And he puts his foot on the rope. Eddie Kingston wills himself up, daring him to get up for another Urican. We see almost like a proper like babyface glare in Hook's eyes being determined as Eddie Kingston goes for the Urican one more time. And Hook passes out in the middle of the ring. The referee calls it off. And Eddie Kingston wins the match due to referee stoppage. Hook does not get pinned or submitted. He passes out. He wouldn't let Eddie Kingston get the better of him. So yes, Hook doesn't win at this point. But as we have basically talked about, he's taken on one of the top AEW stars. A guy who main evented full gear over a year ago. That's a great establishing first opponent. But where does Hook go from here? Well, Hook gets a lot more matches on AEW Dark Elevation and Dark, noticeably kind of going alone for a bit. Kind of almost separating himself from his father, who is on commentary, putting in his praises for his son, but kind of noticing that it's a bit odd that you didn't call Ricky Starks or powerhouse hubs against guys like we're gonna say Darius Lockhart who is on AEW Dark who I hope gets signed at some point or against Wheeler Utah. and it kind of surprises Taz you know knowing his son as well as he does even though he's kind of the strong silent type so immediately I didn't really mention this before but after the events of the Eddie Kingston match team Taz rushes to the ring, simply just shouting to his son who has been knocked out. Ah, stupid kid. And so, with that, the next week, Eddie Kingston faces Powerhouse Hoss, which is kind of a noteworthy match in the extent that Eddie Kingston picks up a win against him. Taz is furious once again that, you know, Hook didn't really take advantage of doing a bunch of, like, interference to stop Eddie Kingston. And just mainly that Powerhouse Hobbs took another loss and another loss for the FTW mindset. So then we get another brief stare down at the end of this match between Hook and Eddie Kingston. We don't know what this could lead to, but who really knows as we head into next week where Eddie Kingston cuts a promo saying, This will sound cliche, but trust me, I effing hate them, but hear me out. Growing up in the Bronx, I've always been a bit of a family man. And recently, I've seen some trouble in paradise. Now, as much as I want to smack him in the face, I want to talk some sense into this kid. So, Hook, you crazy punk. I know this sounds like a trap, but it's not. Come out here, because I want to speak to you man to man. And of course, this is interrupted by Taz and Ricky Starks, basically saying that he's got no right to be speaking to his son after what he did to him, and Ricky Starks interjecting, just saying that all you're going to be doing is doing what people at the Nightmare Factory did to him, or what we've been trying to change, and that's misguiding Hook to being a true descendant of Taz's legacy. And with this, we get a little cheeky exchange between them until Hook finally enters on his own where Taz basically says to Hook that he's doing what he can to make sure that he does not make the mistakes that he did and Hook simply takes the mic away when he's about to say that he's not ready for it and he taps on the FTW championship that Ricky Starks is holding on his shoulder and he walks away and that's when the segment ends the next week, we get a advertised tag team match between Moxley and Eddie Kingston taking on Ricky Starks and Hook. Yes, Hook and not Powerhouse Hobbs. 
So we get a backstage segment with Taz basically saying, just basically repeating the stuff of the previous segment and just saying that he truly believes in him. He says that he's destined for great things, but you won't be having those great things if you follow people like Moxley and Kingston. And so with that, we get a great little exchange of a tag team where basically Hook takes the majority of the offense up until it looks like Hook is about to go tag in Ricky Starks. He, he jumps off the apron and he stands at ringside alongside Taz as Taz is looking over at him furious and he whispers in Taz's ear and he regrettably looks away from Hook as he is hit with a paradigm shift by John Moxley for the one, two, three. The next week we get a promo from Ricky Starks saying that what he did was not personal. He has a lot of respect for Taz and Hook, but Hook is simply not ready to do what he's doing. He is a fighter, but he's not a winner. And in the world of Team Taz and the FTW mindset, that is simply not acceptable. This brings out Hook, of course, with no entrance music, because he doesn't really have anything at this point. And he basically has a little stare down with Ricky Starks, as it looks like they're about to go and throw hands, where Taz quickly comes in to break up the pair, saying that we're not doing this insider bullshit again. Hook, I want you to shake the hand of Ricky Starks like we planned in the back, and Ricky, I want you to apologize. Hook, don't be reckless. Ricky, give him a chance. You both have enough rope to hang on don't let it hang yourself. Don't you dare thinking about doing anything else. And so the two shake hands as Taz looks on. The crowd, I'd like to believe, is potentially booing as we're trying to build more of a babyface hook here. As Taz slowly gets out of the ring, Ricky acknowledges it. And immediately... Ricky Starks goes for a clothesline to attempt to, you know, humble the young Hook, in which Hook ducks underneath, goes behind, and locks in a Taz mission. Taz and Powerhouse Hobbs quickly go into the ring as Hook lets go of the hold, and Taz is asking, what are you doing? What are you doing, Hook? This is not what we talked about. What are you doing? And Hook immediately looks at him and he says, what I have to do. And he grabs the FTW Championship and he sprints off into the stands as we end that segment until next week. Next week, we get a backstage segment between Ricky Starks and Team Tazan where he says that he's furious that the FTW Championship was stolen by Hook. And with this, we get Ricky ranting to Taz about how next week, he wants to knock some sense into this kid. Taz says, he's just a kid, okay? Ignore. I know what he did was bad, but we can work this out. He's a violent kid, but he's a good kid. Remember that, Ricky. We don't want another cage situation. And Ricky storms off, and we get a segment with Taz going off of commentary as he's been put in to kind of replace for a certain situation. He takes off his headset, grabs a microphone, and he says that he demands Hook to return the FTW Championship to Ricky Starks. If he doesn't, he will leave Team Taz. If, if he does not return it, they are assuming that Hook is their enemy. And Taz simply says this one final plea I don't care if you're my son. I'll treat you like everybody else. Hook, give back the FTW Championship. Because I swear to you, Hook, if you don't, you're going to be in for the worst beating of your life. Survive if I let you. Hook comes out from the crowd, a la, you know, very familiar to his opponents, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. And Hook comes in. Ricky Starks 
immediately wants a piece of him. Of course, Hook puts out the FTW Championship that he's been holding ever so tightly since he grabbed the title a week ago. And he... He spits in Taz's face. And in this, Team Taz attacks Hook as... Taz looks away from the whole onslaught, seeing that he is beating up his own son. As Eddie Kingston rushes in to save Hook and essentially aligning himself with him. Now setting up for, in a fortnight, an FTW Championship match. It's Ricky Starks versus Hook. We've got the build, we've got the situation. The question is can Hook? Overcome the odds of Team Taz, rise above the ranks, and start his ascension into creating a new legacy for the Taz family. And so it is a no-holds-barred contest. And some of you might be wondering, where are we going to go with this? Is Hook actually going to win the FTW Championship here? Are we going to strap the belt onto Hook? And... For lack of a better term, you're damn right we are. <laughs> Hook is gonna win the FTW Championship in this match, having in a, probably the best way for him to feasibly win a championship in a hardcore-based match, a la ECW to an extent, maybe a little bit more tamer depending on how you feel. Kendo stick shots, trash bags, uh... Trash cans, whatever you want to call it. It sounds wrong saying it because I'm British. All of that fun stuff. Powerhouse Hobbs tries to come in and interfere in this contest as Taz regrettably orders Hobbs to do so. As Eddie Kingston comes in, saving his newly found apprentice, so to speak. I like to think in my kayfabe terms that Eddie Kingston has taken Hook under his wing. As Hook locks in the Taz mission kendo stick in hand choking out <laughs> Ricky Starks and your new FTW champion is Hook. Hook is now the FTW champion. He's now officially left Team Taz. The question is now, where does Hook go from here? <laughs> So by this point in the booking, we have established that Hook kind of has a goal to establish things on his own. Now being taken under the wing by Eddie Kingston, Eddie essentially cuts some promos for Hook because I kind of like the idea of him being the strong silent type who's getting over with grins and facial expressions. It's going to help him down the road. So at this point, Eddie Kingston cuts a promo saying that now that Hook is the FTW champion, he will take on any and all comers saying that for the past two title holders the FTW championship was an afterthought a belt that was unrecognized by AEW because there wasn't a good plethora of challenges and if you look back in the history books that's kind of true you got him Brian Cage defending it against powerhouse Hobbs and that's kind of it there then he dropped the belt to Ricky Starks, and then we just had that back and forth for the title. There hasn't really been any fresh challenges, so Eddie Kingston states further that now that Hook is trying to carve his own path, he's going to carve it by crushing skulls in the name of the FTW Championship. For the FTW Championship means F the world. For Hook, it means face the world as he will take on everybody who dares want a shot at the FTW goal. So basically, Figure Vader Kingston on the side being the mouthpiece of Hook, giving him some veteran advice. And from this point, in this second part of this story, this is pretty much booking Hook's FTW title reign. So, during this period, Hook is trying to find an identity of his own. He's having matches on AEW Dark, Elevation, getting over his moveset a little bit more, where at one point during a appearance on AEW Dynamite, as he's coming out to celebrate his victory over Ricky Starks, he's mysteriously attacked 
by the Hardy family office. Specifically, Matt Hardy, who's taken an interest in this championship. So over the coming weeks, we get a series of matches between Hook and various members of the Hardy family office. Your Jack Evans, your Angelicos, and of course, your private parties. All leading to an FTW championship match between Matt Hardy and Hook in a no-holds-barred match. You're noticing a trend here, it will all make sense later. Basically, Matt Hardy says that he is an icon, a man who pioneered the powers of the extreme and brought it into the modern era of professional wrestling. So it shocks him that he's never been considered for the FTW Championship. And he continues to state that he deserves a shot at the gold more than anybody else because he is iconic. He is big money and he is the leader of the extreme. So with this, the match is set up for an unknown reason, bar to Hook's own imagination here. We see Hook take on Matt Hardy in an extreme rules match or your no holds barred contest, where we get to see all the classic Matt Hardy spots like the leg drop through a table, Hook defending himself with chains and kendo sticks. I'm thinking particularly chains, because that kind of seems like a very Hook thing, using anything at his disposal, where he fights off members of the Hardy family office, particularly private party, hitting them with kendo sticks out of midair, and finally locking in a throw right into the Taz mission, submitting Matt Hardy, retaining the FTW title, where it's revealed at the end of it, according to Taz as he slips up on commentary, that he had hired Matt Hardy with some money, because he's big money Matt, to go after the FTW Championship and give it back to Team Taz. This moves on further where we get Hook's next big feud and it's with Joey Janela because he had only recently turned heel and he's got that cool new partnership with the person who I can't properly remember. And if you guys remember Joey Janela versus Hangman Page at All In or him against Frickin', you know, John Moxley at the original Fighter Fest, it's gonna be a flipping banger. So, with that, Hook once again fighting for his life, noticeably more banged up. We see his ring gear, which is basically what he enters in, anyways, having noticeably. Oh my god. Noticeably more tape around his arms. Taking on Joey Janela, in which he barely avoids an elbow drop through the table to crawl himself into the cover for the one, two, three. Hook survives another FTW title defense where he is noticeably more banged up than ever before. And with this, we get a brief little interaction between Eddie Kingston and Hook in which he says that I'm, I'm proud of you. You're really starting to show that you are worth something in this company. You're not a sidekick, Hook. You are a truly violent SOB. You're not a suplex machine, you're not a Tasmanian devil, but you are a fighter hook. You are the new human suplex machine. You are the Terminator of AEW, which immediately brings out Brian Cage, the former FTW world champion, in which he says and claims that Hook hasn't changed at all and that all of this is just a facade, bringing up the idea that Hook is only really doing this to have a little like angsty phase and say pretty much that he will never live up to Taz's legacy, which immediately aggravates Hook, leading to a little confrontation and a big match between the pair in which Hook eventually with the help of Team Taz, ironically because of the hatred between Starks and Brian Cage, leads to Hook getting the win and a stare down between him and his father where he realizes that he inadvertently helped him out, quickly walking away like ships in the night. And through this, we get a couple of weeks where Team Taz and Hook 
have some very vague interactions between each other. We see Taz kind of angry at him, but also with a slight little grin in his eye. Not, not in his eye, you know. You know, a slight gleam in his eye that his son is beating the living S-word out of everybody like he used to do back in the day at ECW. And with this, that is the end of part two in a very short brevity thing as we head into the final part of this story and the rise of Hook and the raising of prestige of the FTW Championship because now, as I hope you've seen, it's time for Hook to take on some real competition. After surviving weekly and entertaining hardcore style matches, Hook has elevated himself higher than Team Taz ever have within a year of his wrestling career. So now, it's time for Hook to face his toughest challenges yet. The true pinnacle of professional wrestling. So heading into part three of this story, Hook is currently walking through the back where he immediately, as he's being interviewed, is interrupted by a Maxwell Jacob Friedman, who immediately gets in his face, just saying, get get out of the way. Why is this extra here? I'm sorry. Uh who who let the extra in here? I'm sorry. I, did you did you come out the wrong locker room? You know, I saw a local bingo hall around that you should probably be at. But why are you in my shop? Why, why are you in my shot hook? And so at this point, he brings up, you know, all the history with Team Taz, how he's ultimately just a Taz light, and that he all he's doing is just being a bootleg version of his father, a failure in the eyes of professional wrestlers alike. And immediately, Hook does not take a liking to this and slaps MJF in the face. And a brawl starts to ensue in which it is broken up by Wardlow, who, in this process, power bombs Hook through a table, setting up a FTW championship match between Hook and Wardlow, in which it is as chaotic as it sounds as Hook banged and beaten up over the weeks of FTW title matches has to fight from underneath to take on Wardlow, using whatever items he can around the ring and around the area to put in his advantage, trying to use ring posts to isolate and injure body parts of Wardlow, who powers out of these situations and uses his <laughs> immense athleticism to overpower Hook. And as it looks like Hook is about to win the match, in comes MJF with a dynamite diamond ring and Wardlow hitting the F10. And if you want some add some extra spice, even though we've already had a table spot, through a table for the one, two, three. Wardlow becomes your FTW champion as the rest of the pinnacle come in to assault Hook. Sean Spears locks up one of Hook's uninjured legs. Uh, MJF grabs the dynamite diamond ring as FTR grabs up Hook. And as this happens, Eddie Kingston tries to help, but he can't do anything because of the tag team work of MTTR. Uh, John Moxley is too busy working with Orange Cassidy, so he's not out there. Brian Cage comes out after having a change of heart and seeing the hard work of Hook over the past few weeks. And of course, the last people out there are Team Taz looking on from the ramp. Which, well, Taz quickly orders them, Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, to walk away. As Hook is hit once again, the Dynamite Diamond Ring and the FTW Championship, as he's left laying and is hospitalized for several weeks. The next week, MJF cuts a promo saying that, are you serious? Did you, did you really expect that I was gonna be facing a guy like Hook? A guy like him? Do you see what he does? He comes out dresses like a rabid lunatic. He comes out dressing like every single one of you. A baggy t-shirt, a long pair of jeans. He's nothing but a piece of New York scum, a guy who should have been in juvie years ago. Are, are you all serious? 
You want this guy to come after me, this hardcore Nimrod? Hook? For a kid your age, you're easily one of the most violent, resourceful professional wrestlers I have ever seen at such an age. You had about recognized. Well, that's debatable, but it was relatively recognized. But now, under the guise of the Pinnacle and Wardlow, my man, it is truly one of the most prestigious titles in professional wrestling. And since you are a common man, just like one of these white trash hicks, you're ultimately a loser. No matter what you do, no matter how much you try to impress your Tasmanian daddy, all the blood, all the sweat, all the tears means nothing. Because you are nothing but a human car crash waiting to happen like your pathetic commentating father. You're doomed to break down, so please consider what I did as a warning. Never step into a professional wrestling ring again. Forget the legacy. Step another foot near me and I will lock you in a sleeper that you'll never wake up from. I'll send you to the juvie where your crappy father should have left you. With that, the pinnacle stand tall. And during this, we get, of course, the eventual MJF versus Darby Allen match. Now, I know I've, no, I've said several weeks for this, but we don't know when MJF versus Darby's gonna happen. So we get that happening. And during it, Darby Allen manages to pick up a win against MJF. I realized I did a really long pause for no reason there. As the pinnacle come in to assault Darby Allen. And with this, we get a sound that's been very missed. Some of you might remember it as War Machine by Kiss playing in the background. As out of nowhere, we see coming out from the stands, Hook, formerly hospitalized, coming out with chains and kendo sticks ready to take on the entire pinnacle who run away as Hook for the first time grabs a microphone. And he shouts, MJF, you wanna, you wanted to ruin my life? You wanted to say that I was no better than my father? Well, guess what? At least I had some love from my father, okay? I didn't have my father come in from Afarash to boom me and hate me and despise me. I value my father and no matter how he feels about me, I will always keep fighting. So I want to put out a challenge to you, MJF. Five on five. Pinnacle versus me and partners of my choosing. If I win, I get the FTW championship back. I bring back the FTW mindset and I face the entire world. MJF, face me in three weeks and survive if I let you. And with that, we get a build to a very special stadium show. And the build to this is very much Hawk in a almost Survivor Series fashion, trying to get as many people on his side as possible. He easily recruits Eddie Kingston, a guy who's been on his side for weeks and months up to this point, kind of taking him under his wing, knowing that he's about to go into hell and he's going to join him. Brian Cage, a former member of Team Taz and a guy who only recently got some new respect for Hook. And with this, we see him finally confront his father, Taz. And he gives him a nod and he puts his hand out. And Taz, in the build-up to it, doesn't really accept. As Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs follow him. As we get to the final match, the five-on-five, no-holds-barred no match, that is the pinnacle versus whatever Team Hook ends up being. Pinnacle come out, cocky as ever, 
knowing that they believe that there's no way that Hook is gonna get people to join him. He has no friends in AEW. He's just some punk kid who stole a championship. So Hook comes out to, of course, War Machine once again. Weapons in hand, looking like a walking weapon. Brian Cage comes out. Eddie Kingston comes out. They're ready. And as this happens, and it looks like the match is about to start, we hear the sounds of Yo Kid FTW. Bring it on. As Taz looks on reluctantly, and he says to Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs, Go get them, boys. As Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Stark storm the ring, it is a FTW face turn as we get straight into the match. It's chaos and carnage all over the place as Team Taz starts to work together. And we get a very cool, I think, father and son spot between Taz and Hook, where Taz comes in for a brief period and suplexes MJF to allow out. Hook to lock in a, a Taz mission that is broken up by Wardlow. And then we get the rest of Team Taz helping out. We get town business from Powerhouse Hobbs. We get uh, the Rochambeau and Spear from Ricky Starks leading into the Taz mission with the chain. Allowing Team Taz and Eddie Kingston to pick up the win. Cementing... You know, a kind of reunion for Team Taz now that they've seen the way with Brian Cage included, Eddie Kingston patting Hook on the back, and we get a spot of Hook hugging it out with Taz in the middle of the ring to War Machine in a very cool ending segment. And from there, you can do whatever you want. You can have Hook go after the FDW title. You can maybe have a member of Team Taz go for it. All we have now is that we've established Hook as a significant player in AEW in a relatively short space of time, taking on various covers, or all comers, my mistake there. And at the end of the day, establishing Hook as a viable babyface contender in the right circumstances. Maybe not quite at the main event level, but enough where if he's rallied behind a group of people, that he can do anything because Hook is an absolute beast when backed into a corner because Hook is a fighter and a man who has fully embraced the FTW lifestyle. And so that brings us to the end of this week's Wrestling With Fiction. And by God, <laughs> Hook... Becoming the FGW champion, truly an emotional moment, hopefully. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think it was good? Do you think it was bad? I, I personally enjoyed it. I like the idea of Hook, you know, going off on his own for a bit and establishing himself, you know, earning his stripes, a la a New Japan star going on an excursion. This is his excursion in AEW. Now, I know some people may be disappointed that I didn't book him to win the world title and TNT championship at once, but... You know, beggars can't be choosers. You you gotta you gotta build to it. You know, you gotta build to Hook dominating the entire AEW roster. Eventually, he's gonna squash Kenny Omega in a couple minutes. So, let that be where it ends there. Personally, I, I quite enjoyed this booking. It was it was a booking I wasn't expecting to enjoy as much as I did. It was weird trying to think of what the hell do you do with Hook, <laughs> with what we already know about Hook, <laughs> and with that. I just want to quickly say thank you all so much for listening. It has been truly a pleasure to give you this episode this week. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider, you know, liking, sharing it with your friends and your friendliest friends, possibly even leaving a review on your favorite podcast app or leaving a comment down below saying if you enjoyed this episode. And with it, I just want to once again say the thank you so much for listening. It's amazing to be back. It's amazing to be doing all these really cool things, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm posting this at the end of the day as I'm about to go to my very first indie show! Yay! First time since the whole pandemic happened, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, aside from that, I've got some very fun other projects that may or may not be coming soon. You may never know. You may have to check 
Twitter at Connor the Cooper or on Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction. Maybe I'll even say it on TikTok. Who knows? At Wrestling With Fiction. I am a mystery. I am a mystery, people. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I think I'm going to end it here. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope all of you have an absolutely lovely day. And remember, everyone, wrestling can always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night, everybody. <laughs>